Hello, this is Comeback. This is Connor. This is episode 111. My guest today is James Hammond. James has a travel podcast, Winging It, and we're going to talk today about a football coming home special because in 27 hours' time, England play their first major final in 55 years against Italy at Wembley. James is going to talk about his experiences watching England and more. Then we're going to move on to travel because maybe, maybe the wait is finally over. James, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Connor. How are you doing? Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure, mate. So do you mind then, just before we get into the football side of things, you, um, do you mind telling me a bit about your background? Whereabouts are you from in the UK? Yeah, I'm from Norwich. Um, yeah, I'm 32, so born in the 80s, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and then I've been traveling last uh, kind of eight, eight, nine years. Um, so I've been doing um, a few work visas here and there. Um, yeah, so I'm sure. currently in, in Canada, in Vancouver. Um, this is my last work visa because I'm too old. So, um, yeah, we have a private permanent residency here. Um, I don't think we'll stay that long, but um, it's just an extension to work. And then we'll be off traveling again next year. So that's the plan. Sounds wicked, mate. So you've uh, lived in a few countries, have you, throughout your 20s and early 30s? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like haven't really stayed. I'm from Norwich. I haven't really stayed in Norwich that long. Um, probably like properly last year um i tried to go back like but it wasn't really happening so um yeah kind of been dotting around not really knowing what to do but i see you're in, you're in vietnam so i am it's a yeah. place to be uh well it was <laughs> it was up until <laughs> up until may i mean we we lived life as normal to be honest with you there was a yeah. um, about a month or two lockdown in april may march april 2020 and then it yeah. came back to normal we lived life fine and then yeah, the start of May this year, COVID just went out of control again. And we've now had an official lockdown as of uh, Thursday, as of, as of Friday morning. So for the final, oh, wow. I'm going to be watching it solo in my flat. Oh, oh that's, that, that's awful. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, nice, really, because I was watching with my friends in the meantime, you know, just yeah. going to each other's houses because the pubs have all been shut. We can still meet up. But now, yeah, it's all locked down where you can't leave your house. So final on my laptop tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, that's a it's a shame to hear because it's always going the other way here. They're, they're just relaxing the rules now. It's like pretty much almost there. Uh, I think September is when they finally say, "Yeah, you can do what you want, but we can still meet up with fifty people indoors." So we're trying to find somewhere with kind of a good crowd. Yeah. So yeah, I do feel I do feel for you a little bit there. No, it's okay. I mean, worse things happen, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, slightly, of course. Yeah, yeah. Slightly anticlimactic considering the magnitude of the game. But hey, it's, <laughs> it's what it is. At least you can watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, I hope my, I hope I get good, my stream doesn't play up. Like, come on. To oh God, yeah. Do you not have like a TV? Do you have a TV or is it, is it purely laptop? Um, I have a TV, but then it's only Vietnamese uh, channels, and I've no idea how I could because I've not had this issue yet. And so, uh, okay, I don't know how I could muster up? I don't know. A I can't get BBC or BBC anywhere. I don't. You could probably um, well, yeah. I'll try this. You can probably get a VPN. Um, um, I, I do. Uh, yeah. I did get a VPN and then whack on um, BBC iPlayer live. Yeah. Um, that could be your best bet, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see how it goes. Yeah. But for real, let's um, let's talk a bit about England then, mate. So what are your earliest memories of, you know, following the national team? I think um, I briefly remember um, England-Holland in 96, mm. um, when Shearer banged in that goal and played 4-1 or whatever it was. I do remember that game. I don't really remember Gareth Southgate missing the penalty. I don't seem to recall that. Um, 
So, so I don't know why I, I remember that Holland game. Maybe because that's, that, that was a great game. Like 4-1 was incredible at the time. So that's my earliest memory. But I do, like, if you want, like, a full match that I remember watching, it was definitely England-Argentina 98. I remember watching that. Um, and David Batty missing the penalty. Um, so that was probably my first proper game of, like, the full length of it. But like, if you like, like, like a speckle of memory, it was probably 96, year 96. Yeah, sure. How did you feel in that 98 game? Like, Beckham could... <laughs> Well, uh, I was nine at the time, so I was um, pretty pretty raw, but I was well into football that time. I was actually pretty good. Probably the best period of my life I was good at football. Got worse after that, but um, so I was kind of into it. And then, yeah, when that happened, I think I was just crying in my sleep. Um, yeah, in my bed. I do seem to call that when I was nine. So yeah, that sort of carried on for years after that, right? It did, so. yeah. Mine, <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, Mine's quite similar, actually. Euro 2004, I have a very, very, very vague memory of Rooney being incredible, just hearing the yeah. name of Rooney. But I only really got into football, the World Cup 2006, and that completely captivated me. And, yeah, I thought England were going to win with Beckham, Terry, Lampard, Gerard, Rooney, team full of superstars, and then they fell out on penalties. And then everyone told me, oh, yeah, England on penalties, it always happens. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first heartbreak. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's weird because obviously England penalties happened well in 96 because we won, we beat Spain on penalties, right? So I think, yeah, I guess pre- previous generations probably said, oh, that's a one-off. But when I first came to football, I was like, well, we won the last penalty shootout against 98. Yeah. Then, yeah, we lost that one and then we carried on losing um, there, there on in, like, especially 2006. Yeah, um, yeah that, that World Cup, that, that, that was definitely a chance to miss that. Um, I also remember 2002 uh, World Cup because um, I was at school at the time and uh, the school let us watch the big game in the big hall with a big screen so that's pretty cool um, I've heard a few and that was like yeah, the Brazil game yeah the Ronaldinho one yeah, um, yeah. but you always, get, you always get the people who don't really understand so like England has been knocked out and you've got like uh, most of the people that don't understand football like cheering like oh well done England but then the, the people who do understand is like gutted and like yeah. don't care about anyone else and just want to go home yeah don't speak um, about him for the rest of the day yeah <laughs> so, uh, that's quite cool yeah and um, have you ever followed the team say have you ever attended a match or a tournament uh, yeah I've been to three tournaments um, I've been to Euro 2012 we drove from London to Ukraine and to Donetsk at the time, so that's before the Ukraine war. So um, it was actually normal there, um, nothing going on. And then, yeah, I went to the World Cup in Brazil 2014, and then I went to Euros in France 2016. All grim games. I think there's only one game out of that whole tournament that I could say, yeah, we played well and done well, and that's a Sweden game, Euro 2012. Yeah, I remember it. I think Andy Carroll scores that great header. Yep. Yeah. And then... I think, is it Walcott or I can't yeah. as well back with Walcott done a back heel? I was at that end. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, well, yeah, well back back heel, but Walcott did score too. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was at that end when they scored and that was going mental. Oh, wicked, yeah. Um, but that was, um, that's probably the best game I've seen in terms of England, but I've seen way more worse games than that. Grim yeah. games. Cool. Let's, let's talk a bit about these tournaments then. The Ukraine one, what was that like? Because I'm, I have to confess, I don't know that much about Ukraine as a country or about mm-hmm. football, well, up until we played them recently and I did a bit of looking into it, you know, they've, how, how was the whole tournament experience there? Was it mainly in Ukraine or was it also Poland? Does my memory serve me right? Uh, I think your memory is correct, but I think we only went to Ukraine. Okay, sweet. So, 
um, at the time, I don't know if you remember, the, the media was like playing up like you shouldn't go because it's dangerous over there and um, some of the populations are racist and all this sort of stuff, like um, it's kind of media. But me and a couple of friends, uh, I've got a friend who works as an editor for a well-known weekly car magazine. So he managed to grab us a Land Rover and we're like, oh, we'll do a road trip there. We'll drive there. So we've done this like road trip from London to Donetsk, which took like three days. Um, so we stopped off in Krakow, Calais, Krakow, and then um, on the autobahn in Germany, smashed it because you can go as, as far as you can. And then got to, we actually got lost in, uh, in West Ukraine. So we, we kind of had this like schedule, but we got lost. And we're driving, we kind of got advised not to drive at night. So it was getting dark and we're like, where, where the hell did we stay? Um, but we found this like log cabin place in the forest like all right we'll just go in here and we turned up and this is like oh this is wedding going on so that's fine and then the, the owner says oh look yeah i've got a few cabins do you want them so like, yeah yeah we'll have them and then as soon as we like settled down and then sort of fresh and got into like the communal area this van load of swedes turned up so like, right okay we've definitely been drinking on the van and then the owners came in with like all this food and a bottle of vodka and say hey look ignore your media we're not racist we're lovely people welcome to our country have this bottle of vodka on us and the whole night was carnage like vodka's <laughs> going out left right and center the swedes came in and partying went and joined a wedding and danced and there's some like random locals um i think we we're up to like 3 a.m and we had to get on the road again next morning so jesus um yeah my, my friend was like sick in the night he was supposed to be driving it's all all chaos really um but good fun so yeah the whole trip was uh kind of like unique because ukraine is very it's like it's half and half if you go east as we all know uh the russians and it's russian orientated so the russians came in with their militia and sort of took over but the west are very ukrainian like they are ukrainian they're not they're not russian so it's that like kind of split in the middle mm. um so the experience at the time is absolutely fine like, there's no trouble nothing at all um very nice people the stadiums are great the shame the football was crap, really. Yeah, absolutely. I've just got the abiding memory of that tournament. I remember the chaos prior where I think Hodgson only came in a month before. So up until a month before, there was no manager. And my abiding memory is Perlo tearing everyone to shreds before the dreaded penalty loss. <laughs> yeah, we weren't there for that. We came back um, uh, for that game. I think we are back in England at that point. But yeah, I do remember that. Perlo was absolutely majestic that day. Yeah. And let's move on to the Brazil tournament then. I can imagine that was very, very different. I, uh, this is one of the places in the world, not only for football because of its football background, mm. but also for the culture, the landscape. What was it like going to that tournament in 2014? Yeah, that was great. I was actually traveling at the time. So I was in South America. So my friends came over from UK and I was talking about um, sort of Hawaii and then I went to Miami and then down to Brazil. Um, so I was in traveling mode. I don't know if that makes any different, but I was carrying on afterwards. Yeah, sure. Um, I get, but my friends arrived just for the football, so we had it like a different mentality, I guess. But unbelievable atmosphere. Like, you wouldn't believe the colour, the noise. Every day there's a fan zone. We're based in Rio, and on the beach there's a fan zone um, on Copacabana, but there's also other ones on, on Ipanema, et cetera, as you go down. And there's just full of people every day watching football on big screens. Like, everyone's drinking caprinas and partying and dancing and... Yeah, we just had an unbelievably great time there. Um, and also, it's funny, another story, quick story. I don't bore you too, much, too many stories, but I, I've got an England shirt, which is from Petrol Station. It's like a five, $5, five quid one, right? It's like a red fake badge, red colour. 
I get taken a piss out a lot because um, my friend's got the proper shirts. Like I've got one on today. And uh, we arrived at Belo Horizonte for the Costa Rica game, um, which was a dead rubber in the end because we we're pretty much out. And our seats were next to uh, the generally good seats because the tickets we got from my mate and they were middle of the like stadium, like great view. But as I came in, my friend was really excited. And I, I don't know why he was like weirdly excited. And I looked up and I thought, oh, it's because we're sitting next to Tony Cotty and Tony Gale, like a couple of ex-England footballers. Yeah. So my mate's like, oh, come meet Tony Cotty. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. So I went in to meet Tony Cotty. And I was like, he, he goes, oh, it's, it's cool. He's such a cool guy. But he was still laughing. I couldn't really work out why. And as I went around the corner, around the back of the, like, the, the chairs, I was like, hi, Tony, I'm James. Like, nice to meet you. Have a photo. I then suddenly realised he had the exact same T-shirt as me. And my mate couldn't believe that someone like Tony Cotty has got like a $5 petrol <laughs> station. Yeah, for real. You think you'd have like, you know, the vintage Tony story and 1990 Gather one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So uh, that was quite funny. And But that game, I would say that game probably epitomises the worst I've seen. Like me and Tony Gale would sound a laugh at how bad it was. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that game, but... Um, <laughs> very, yeah. I remember it for how bad it was. Like I remember it for being so uneventful, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think we're just laughing at, I remember James Milner was playing and he was just like getting outpaced like easily down the wing. I think I remember like one occasion we're just laughing. Uh, yeah, it was just a bit of a grim game. Um, but the, it was kind of all right because the, the atmosphere of Brazil and the occasions of all the, the games and the fan zones was great. Yeah, sweet. And then the third tournament, Euro 2016 in France, Beautiful country, but I believe there was a bit of chaos within the fans. This might have not been England fans, but there was a bit of trouble there in the first few days, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, and also Marseille, when we went to Marseille. Oh, yeah. Uh, we actually somehow, uh, looking back, I don't know how, we kind of mi- missed all the carnage, really. We, we weren't really aware of what was actually going on, but we heard, like, obviously sirens and you know, news was like, oh, there's been a bit of trouble in Marseille between the Russia fans. We didn't really take it seriously. We thought it was like somewhere else. But when we got back after the game, um, I'll come back to the game in a minute. We're like, oh, God, we're literally a few blocks away from it all happening. But we were none the wiser just walking around in our group, like just going for like sort of a wander around town, getting a beer and heading to the fan zone. But um, yeah, after that, we walked to the ground and there was tear gas in the air and there was like police dogs everywhere. And the security was rubbish, like getting in was carnage, didn't really have a system and all the police stayed outside of the stadium. So when at the end of the game, I think you probably know that they, they fired off a firework and that seemed to be a signal that all the Russian fans sort of like ran to the left um, towards all England fans. Um, I think some England fans in that, in that stadium were probably up for it. And then they realised, ah, now nah, they've got like sledgehammers or whatever they've got in their hands and they sort of tried to jump out of the the plastic screen in and out of the ground, but it was carnage. That was awful to see. That's grim. Yeah, geez, that does sound like chaos. And then in terms of the football inside, uh, which games did you go to any of the England matches? Yeah, I uh, went to that Russia game and I went to the Sao Paulo to watch England-Uruguay. Okay, um, so- that was the most devastating game. Yeah. Um, do you remember when we equalised? Yeah, Rooney. Um, yeah. Rooney, yeah. There's all that talk about him not scoring and then he scored and everyone meant and was like, oh God, we're back in this. And we, then we dominated for the next five minutes and we all thought we could do it. And the atmosphere was like electric at that point. And then, yeah, when Suarez went through and banged in that second goal. Um, the, the elation devastation in about 10 minutes was, was yeah, just like chalk and cheese really. I couldn't believe 
how much hope I had and then had that it was after 10 minutes. Yeah. And to make it even worse, there's a Scotland fan in the Uruguay fan celebrating with a Scotland flag. <laughs> helped it. I mean, I remember I watched the highlights the other day because because of the um, elation that's happening now, I thought I'd watch a few highlights of oh, yeah. the worst yeah. bit, shall we say. And I did watch that game. And I remember, yeah, I do remember that period where we were on top and thought, can we get a late winner, reignite the World mm. Cup? And it just goes over the top. Gerard heads it back and then Suarez, yes. all people, who was one of the most hated and probably still is footballers in England at the time, <laughs> hammers it in and, oh, OK, probably out the World Cup now. That's over after a week or so. Yeah, like when we left the grounds, the sombre atmosphere, like as everyone just trudging back to the stadium, uh, sorry, to the station, train station. And but yeah, that goal, I, yeah, Gerald headed it back. He mistimed the header, right? Yeah, he did. He must have done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think Cahill, I don't know, I, I seem to blame Cahill at the time. I don't know why I blamed him. Maybe I thought he should have read that, but maybe he couldn't because he probably would have thought Gerald would have headed it. Yeah, um, maybe it's my Man United bias. I'm just like blame Gerard, <laughs> blame Gerard, go for the, go for the Scouser. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I have no bias towards any players because none play for Ipswich, so or Norwich, so it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, that was that, that was devastating. That that goal. Yeah. And then if we talk then about the re- the rest of Euro 2016, do you think the low point in your lifetime as an England fan is that final game against Iceland because? That was nothing short of abysmal. Yeah, that was a turning point for me. I think that Uruguay game, we were okay. Like, we weren't horrendous and we got back into it and there was a bit of fight there. But that Iceland game was, <laughs> I wasn't there, but I just, because we scored early on, right? So I thought yeah. I'd be a walkover. But yeah, that was the you know, whole golden generation talk. That was the end. That was it. Like, everyone talking about these players. Um, yeah, lowest point. I think that I can remember. Absolutely. And then sure. after that, we obviously had Allardyce for one game and yeah. whatever happened there with the sting, he obviously, you know, came and went and Southgate, come, <laughs> he comes in as almost this, right. Okay. We need someone to take the job. I think Southgate even said no one else will do it. So I might, he said something along those lines. Yeah. What what, were your, what was your reaction at the time when we gave it to Southgate? Um, I thought it was a, a weak move. Um, I thought, I would consider him like a yes guy uh, and a cheap option. So I thought, but the product pay out for Stan and I, so I don't really know what the, the details are. So I thought they probably had to like um, compensation wise sort that out. But yeah, I, I, I was not, whatever the opposite of enthusiastic is, I was that. So I had no expectation. Yeah. And then R- Russia 2018 comes along. And mm. what do you think about that whole thing? Were you in Canada watching that? Were you back at home? 2018. No, I was in New Zealand at that point. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I considered to actually fly back for the semi-final. I had an opportunity to go. Oh, gosh. Um, but it was too much in terms of money and time. Yeah, sure. Because New Zealand is far from anywhere, right? You can't get to anywhere quickly unless it's Australian. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, my friends went to Russia for a day. Uh, yeah, they got tickets to the semi-final. Oh, gosh. Um, that tournament was really weird. We didn't play anyone good. And... Yeah, Croatia were decent, but that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, I know they had decent players, but yeah, that was... But then, you know, there was no expectation. So I guess at the time I was like, great, like we're, we're going through. Um, but we, I don't know if you were saying, but I still had the feeling that Croatia were going to do us because I thought oh, they're, they're kind of the first, I guess, proper team 
um, that we played. Yeah. And the Sweden, the Sweden game was the most comfortable. Was it quarterfinal? I think it, it was. was the quarters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the most comfortable game I've ever watched them play. I thought, oh, bloody hell, like we're actually easily controlling this game. There's no threat here. We're not going to mess it up like England always does. So, yeah, that was an interesting tournament. But I thought, you know what, maybe we have something to build on here. Um, and Kane was smashing them in. So I thought, yeah, decent, but missed opportunity with Croatia, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree. But then that brings us to now. I mean, you just mentioned there's something to build on. Southgate has built on it. And here we are, you know, one day away from the biggest day since 66. What's your yeah. thoughts on this current crop and this current tournament then? How have you felt about, you know, watching it? Yeah, I thought the Germany game was the big one. I thought we've now got the monkey off our back where this team can beat a big team. Mm. Um, and then they just seem to... The, the, the squad depth is scary. The, like the other night against Denmark, people were saying it was a dive. Do you know what? Maybe it was. But I think Gary Neville said it, that if if that wasn't given, I still think we would have won because they were dead in their feet. And we brought on these players like Phil Foden and Jack Grealish was on. All these fresh players that can run at these players like for the next quarter of an hour or 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I thought we would have won that anyway. But um, yeah, this crop is, dare I say, a little bit exciting. I think great opportunity tomorrow and then even the World Cup next year. Um, I'm even looking forward to that. Like, as soon as, as soon as we win it on Sunday and Monday, we're back in. I'm, I'm focusing on the World Cup. I think we we'll have to go because I think this crop has definitely got enough talent to really go all the way. We're all quite young. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary times because, you know, if you're 10 or 14 or in that age bracket, you probably think this is normal. But trust me, this is the best that I've ever seen in terms of a team. Um, maybe for you as well. But Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're cohesive. There's, there's no big egos in there. There's no, like, Big players like, I guess Kane arguably, but he's not like a, a Gerard or a Lampard or you know Beckham, those like yeah yeah Beckham yeah those like high end players where you got to manage I guess the the brand almost. Mm. So yeah, I mean, what I will ask you for at the end of this podcast is a prediction for tomorrow, and that's <laughs> probably the trickiest one. But um, let's move on a bit from the football then. Uh, let's talk about you and your travel then. So I suppose when to begin was um, when did you begin travelling? Uh, I began, I guess, in the proper sense of the word, 2013. Okay. Uh, yeah, got fed up with, I'd done my degree and then I got fed up with life in London and Norwich. So um, midway through a degree, I actually met someone and she was a, uh, like, sort of, I guess I, could, I would call her a girlfriend at the time, but kind of like a summer thing. But she'd been traveling. I was like, I never really, never really heard of the concept. And she was like, oh, yeah, I went for three months. I went to Australia, New Zealand, a bit of Asia, LA. I was like, oh, right, cool. So now I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. So then I went to the Ashes in 2010-11, uh, where we won the Ashes back in Australia, which is an unbelievable experience. Well, that sounds great. And yeah, that, that was that was arguably the best sporting event I've seen. Uh, I don't want to say it too much on a football podcast but, um, this, for this episode, but in terms of like going to like, a foreign place and beating someone on their own home soil was pretty incredible. But... I fell in love with Australia then, so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back here and, and work here and do a work visa when I finish my degree. So, yeah, I went 2013, planned a six-month travelling trip in Asia, went to where you are now, dotted around Southeast Asia, and then, yeah, went to New Zealand Fiji and then settled in Australia for a year. And then after Australia was the World Cup, so I went and done South America after the World Cup, and then back home. So that's kind of like a two-year trip. Yeah, sure. Um, when did you go to Saigon? To Saigon. Uh, when did I go? Yeah. July 2019. So, yeah, just before COVID. Well, not just before, but a few months before at least. So, 
the plan was only to come for a few months. Um, I basically just came out of uni and fancied, fancied living in another country for a bit, fancied a change. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why Saigon, I think it was the first place that offered after I'd done my teaching course and I thought, okay, let's go for it. And yeah, so I've been not stuck here, but it's been the best option for me to stay here. And it's, yeah, going on two years, two years on the 29th. So yeah, wow. that's extraordinary. Yeah. You must, be, you must be loving it, right? Because I love Saigon as a city. Yeah. Uh, I've been it's there twice. Wild, it's a bit wild though. Uh, yeah, it's mental. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some stuff there, but um, I'm sure you have as well. Oh, but, um, yeah. Boy, Boy Vien springs to mind. Yeah, um, <laughs> I remember. So I saw this girl in a hostel. Uh, she, you know, we all got told that you need to be beware of your stuff. Um, and it's a bit of a night out, but I think she came back um, with her friends probably about one a.m. and we were just come back at the same time, like a separate group. And she was standing outside speaking to someone. And the, the person who's speaking to left. And within seconds, this moped arrives. This guy jumps off, nicks her bag, back on the moped, gone. Within like 10 seconds. And she was like, just couldn't react. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy. But yeah, we did get warned of that at the hostel. That like you need to kind of be wary of things. Yeah, um, that was mental. But um, yeah, the, the backpacker streets in, in Saigon are pretty cool, right? Yeah, massively. Well, it's a strange one because I experienced quite a lot of it in the first six months where I'd go on nights out around District 1 and I'd meet backpackers. But obviously there's been no backpackers for Jesus (laughs) now. So now it's, yeah, it's it's, it's a very weird vibe. I mean, I only got a taste of what Saigon was like pre-COVID, but everybody I've been here for a while with has said, yeah, you you kind of, you only got a taste of what it's much better pre-COVID, basically, of course. What's your plan? What's your plan uh, going forward? Like once, I guess, COVID is over, are you going to stay a bit longer to try and experience it a bit, bit more or are you going to move on? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I really like it here, but I'm not absolutely in love with it. There are other places that are catching my eye, like Australia, coincidentally, oh, yeah. and also places in Europe. So I'm, I've signed on for another year, but then in June 2022, I can imagine, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I'd be ready to move on by then, but... I've seen yeah. quite a lot of the country, Vietnam. I've been to the north. I've been to Nha Trang, Da Nang, Moi Ne Phu yeah. So I've been around a bit. But yeah, I think definitely I'll be, I'll be, I'll be needing a change. Maybe Australia. Maybe just do a few work visas, as you mentioned at the start of the pod. Yeah, yeah why not? Work visa here, work visa here. I'm like, yep, that sounds up my street. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, you're definitely young enough um, to go and do like multiple work visas. I, I kind of wish I was your age again, really, because. Um, I've done pretty well. Yeah, I've done like Australia one year, New Zealand one year, and then Canada. I've done two, so I've done four years there. But you can you can also do Japan visa, right? So yeah, sure. Um, there's a work visa there, which could be like another left field option. But yeah, if I was you, if I had any advice, because you don't get them after 31. Yeah, I believe maybe 35. That. They might increase the ages to rumor, but yeah, like, I'd just go and do them because it's the same time you'd be kind of be free to kind of dip into a job save some money and go travel somewhere especially like australia new zealand where the wage is pretty high yeah sure um, as a temporary worker but like yeah in in vietnam um i love like food quark but i've not seen i've not heard anyone who's been there because in 2013 the airport was just built so me and my friends met someone in, in a hostel in, in bangkok and they said oh you gotta go there like it's new there's hardly anyone there they're building the roads get a moped out and drive around it's like oh, okay so we changed our plans um, but have you been to Pukwok like recently or uh, like before COVID? Before COVID? Um, no, I think yeah. I went uh, February 2020, Christmas 20 and then May 21. Yeah. So three times in 18 months. 
oh wow is it like i'm in treaty is it all built up now is it quite a like a um what do you call it like a resort place or is it like yeah, still yeah quite yeah new? it's a tourist oh. place and it's it's quite well well developed i mean the beaches are really dirty if i have to give it some oh really oh wow yeah, really bad but it's a beautiful place i spent christmas it was my first hot christmas actually that's a lot oh yeah uh, I spent Saigon Christmas, but uh, I was in the apartment with all my friends, so it was a a different one. Whereas in the Fuwok Christmas, it was my first Christmas on a beach, which was bonkers because I'm used yeah. to you know, <laughs> you know being from the UK, a cold one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Fuwok. No, it's definitely more developed than 2013. It's quite popular now. I'm not, as we currently speak, not with that COVID situation, but no, it's doing quite well. Oh wow, yeah. There's literally nothing there when I went there. Um, That's like a place so- called. Yeah, Condal in Vietnam nowadays. Okay, Condal. Okay. Like, yeah, that seems like the new thing where nobody's there. The roads are all quiet. It's beautiful. Like the, the beach is clean. I think, yeah, that's probably going to be the new Fuwok. So in seven years' time, when we listen back to this, we'll be like, yeah, we yeah. did the rise of Condal. <laughs> is that an island or is that like a beach resort? It's an island. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, wow. Never heard of it. Oh, wow. I have to check that out. Um, yeah, because yeah, Fuwok at the time, we couldn't find it. To the point where accommodation was hard to find. <laughs> um, so we said there's like quite new hotel, but I think they're quite cheap because no one's come to the island. Um, really weird, like the capital Duong Dong, is it in, in Fukuok? It was hardly on about, like there's a few restaurants. It was that that small. So yeah, like I went back in 20 to Vietnam in 2017. Um, I've done the same trip again, but with my girlfriend at the time now. So I've done it like maybe one partying stage and then one a bit more older stage if you like okay <laughs> uh, sort of from different lens um yeah but we didn't we, we didn't go to food quark unfortunately but yeah vietnam's a great place i had the only place i wish i have been to which i've not been to is sapper that's yeah. kind of the only thing that's mm. on, on my list really but didn't get a chance to go there yeah i've not got to go there either unfortunately so we'll see what happens with the situation uh what's australia what i know this question's gonna be really broad because geez both of them are so huge What's it like living in, mm-hmm. let's go with first Australia and then New Zealand. What's it like living there? Yeah. Australia is number one for me, 100%. My friends here at work are like, oh, what, so you love Canada and you want to stay? I was like, nah, mate, if I had a choice between here and Australia, I'd be off tomorrow. See you later. But um, it's quite hard to get into, especially with COVID. Yeah, uh, um, That's why I'm saying to you, at least, do, at least do your work visas because there's no restrictions there. But once you get his work visas like done it's hard to get into australia then you've got a, i guess a job maybe teaching is probably a way way to go um but australia is a place to live it's hot um there's unbelievable beaches you're well paid and it's a bit of a free culture like as in like not much stress that <clears throat> so it's not so much stress so i don't ever remember being like sort of dragged down with work or I couldn't go anywhere that I want to because you kind of because you could pay so well you can just take a few days off you can really, you can recover really well if you're a bit strapped for cash so and it's a booming economy like it's it's a bulletproof economy it continually continually grows so wherever your industry is Australia just keeps going up and up and up and um, people seem to not really realise that but um, so yeah like if you want if you want like culture or art or coffee or like good restaurants and Melbourne's your place and for your sport Melbourne is your place. Um, you can go watch AFL um, football, or you can go and watch rugby. Um, there's so much sport going on, and cricket, obviously, the MCG. <clears throat> but if you want, I guess, a city by a beach, it's cliche, but it, 
is Sydney for the reason of being close to other places. But if you're not, if you're happy being away from anywhere, then Perth is your place to go. It's got unbelievable beaches. It's pretty sprawled out. You pretty need a car, but jobs are there. Um, and you can go down to Margaret River in the southwest. And if you've got your, you've got your vineyards and your, that's where I stayed for six months. You've got your vineyards and your beaches and cheese factories and little towns. So, or if you want really hot weather all the time, then go north because it's like a territory up there. It's, it's different, different like almost zone of, of Australia. This is constantly hot. There's alligators up there. There's all that sort of stuff. So there's different options for you depending on what you want. Like yeah. it covers all bases. I see. And what kind of work did you do there? You mentioned work visa. What kind of work? I done an office job for six months, like just doing like admin work. You're going to get paid probably for admin jobs, like $25 to $30 an hour um, temporary, or if you just join someone on a contract, um, which is unbelievable compared to the UK. It might be more now, but that was, you know, that was like seven years ago. Um, and then in Western Australia, I worked in the vineyards. I was driving tractors and like putting vines like net, nets on vines and like buckets bucket boys so you're going to collect all these buckets of grapes and you stand on these grapes and all this sort of stuff and then I went to a couple of mine sites and worked in the kitchens as well uh, which was tough work yeah that's the bit that doesn't appeal to me I can't imagine <laughs> working in the it's, kitchen um, I guess it's I good could... crack yeah 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 it's, it, you've got like people like yourself like just wanting some cash quickly but 12 hour shifts um, on your feet. Um, that job was anyway, like just in the kitchens, trying to clean stuff all the time, get the food prep ready and all that sort of stuff. So depends what your skill is, but I kind of like, for the first time in my life, done three completely different jobs, like office, vineyards, and then kitchens, kind of covered all bases really. Yeah, it's something sweet about that. And then the New Zealand thing, were you doing uh, another variety of jobs in New Zealand? No, I realised that after the 12 hour, shifts per day i'm not doing that again um so i went to wellington and worked in the wellington has all the government ministries there and believe it or not they hire a lot of temps so you can get like a pretty cushy temporary job at a ministry so i worked, I worked for the ministry of business and innovation um for about 10 months um yeah kind of just in this team helping ministers reply to requests from the public um and or other ministers so that's kind of doing that for 10 months. Again, really well paid. Uh, Wellington's a great city. It's a bit like Melbourne, but smaller. Um, so yeah, when New Zealand is is magical. Like if you've got a camper van or a car, it's a bit more doable because Australia is so big. But New Zealand, you can really go on like a month trip in the North Island, see it all, and then do the same again in the South Island. Uh, it's incredible scenery. Like, I can't really, it's a bit like here actually, to be honest. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then how did Canada come about? Uh, because I'm old, uh, we had <laughs> we had um, a choice at the end of New Zealand whether to continue work visas in Canada or go home, I guess, um, or try and get back into New Zealand. So we decided to apply for a Canadian work visa, work permit, which is two years. Um, but it's not the same as Australia, New Zealand. Australia, New Zealand, you, you just apply and you get it within a day. Um, as long as you've got no criminal records, like you pass all the checks. But in, in Canada, it's a pool. So you go into a pool of people and it's random, randomly selected. Um, so yeah, we went to a pool. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We're in. We've got three months to get it because um, my girlfriend's two years older. So she would be too old for the pool. And then we got it within a month each. Um, yeah, I think it was around Christmas time, I think. So yeah, we got 
last minute visas here and came over here. Um, completely different yeah. to Australia, New Zealand. Absolutely. What's Vancouver like? What is a question for you. What do you think it's like? I think, and I only say this because I've met two people who've lived there. It's yeah. huge, like absolutely vast. The weather's extremely harsh and you can get quite lonely there. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lonely thing is absolutely 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, my turn. It's, really, so. it's a really weird place. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you're hitting them on the head. <laughs> um, yeah, it's huge. Uh, it's about 5 million people here. Um, but the, the Metro Vancouver is probably, what, 600,000. Um, but awesome, awesome scenery, stunning scenery. It's huge. But it's really hard to make friends here it's, it's actually a bit weird because it's quite cliquey so um like vancouverites have their own little group of friends like five or six people and that's it they don't really venture out to other people here because it's such a diverse place <clears throat> but yeah it's a bit weird <laughs> yeah lonely is is an interesting one um i've got like friends from work and friend friends i've met here but i wouldn't uh, can i say it? yeah i wouldn't really consider them like proper like close friends and like people yeah. I met in Australia and New Zealand um, and the people we did meet here have all left so they've all gone back because of COVID so yeah it's the, the weather we had the heat dome last week I don't know if you read but um, it was like 50 degrees last week feeling like so we had to um, there's no aircon in Vancouver so people were trying to like book hotel rooms and go to their workplaces to sleep because there's no aircon in flats so our apartment was horrendous we couldn't stay in it um, so yeah the weather is pretty interesting yeah. not as much snow as the east though it's yeah, a bit sure. wet so how did you sleep then when you've got this whole um, heat heat wave uh, we, we went to my uh, girlfriend's workplace which had aircon so we took our camper van down there and took all the stuff out of that and put it into the, into the office and slept in there for a few nights <laughs> that sounds wild <laughs> mental mate mental yeah there's a, there's a, there's a um, town it's probably about three hours east of here it's called Lytton and they were hotter than us. And it's a wildfire started and it burned it all down. It's gone. I think 85% or 90% of it's gone. Jesus. It's mental. Yeah, it's crazy. There's about 100 wildfires here, wildfires here at the minute. I think they're trying to deal with um, in the mountains, like further north. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that does sound extraordinary. What I'm going to touch upon very soon, James, is the podcast that you do, uh, Winging It. Yeah. Well, first of all, I've got two, well, one question that's linked. This might be tricky, but in terms of all the countries, A, that you've mm. lived in, and B, that you have travelled to, which which are your favourites? <laughs> I asked the same question on my podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, 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 because I, I, do, I do feel your pain on that, because it's, it's a tough one. Um, crikey. So, I would say for an English-speaking Westerner, if you don't want to go to a place that doesn't speak English then Australia by a mile is the best um, in terms of lifestyle, um, work-life work life balance, um, money and opportunity. I think it's the best place to live. Um, and it covers, all, like I said before, it covers all bases. So believe it or not, you can go skiing in, in Australia. So that's possible if you're, if you're like a mountain type or if you just purely want a beach, Perth is your place or Sydney. But if you're just more interested in culture and art and sports and gigs and stuff, then Melbourne's your place. So Australia is, is kind of almost number one. In terms of travel, though, yeah, probably I got to wrap up into fifty countries, so I'll, I'll give you top five. Yeah, that's that's better. 
I reckon Japan is in the top five. Mm. Uh, we spent a month there traveling around on the bullet train. Um, incredible place. Uh, I would say Bolivia is in there. Oh. Um, but you've just got to deal with the altitude. Like, it's all built up in hills. So if you're not great with altitude, it's probably not a good place. But, you know, Death Road is there, done that. That's pretty cool. Um, you've got the Amazon in, in the east of the country. East of the country, you've got the salt flats to the west, and you've got Sucre, which is a really nice capital city, and then you've got the Paz, which I guess is a bit like Saigon. It's just a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, mental stuff going on. So Bolivia is is awesome. Uh, I'm also gonna chuck in New Zealand uh, in the top five because oh. um place to visit is just the scenery in South Island is is unrivaled. Um yeah, you have to go there. Um Nepal, I think, is in the top five. That's four, isn't it? Nepal, um, for trekking, um, the people are just so lovely. Um, they're real tough people in Nepal. Like, you think, like, just trekking in, in the mountains is, you, you chuck your boots on and go, but the altitude and the ruggedness of it, it's just they're incredible people. Um, so I've got one more left. Uh, I have to choose this wisely. Um, I'm going to choose very quickly... I am going to choose USA. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, my friend said that the other day on my podcast, he come on. Um, he's like, yeah, it's number one. I was like, bloody hell, like, it's a bit of a cop-out, I found, USA. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's, it's a cop-out, but if you actually analyse the USA, like, just think what you can do. It's a bit like, almost yeah. like Australia. You can do anything. You can yeah, do skiing. country, right? Islands, cities, um, if you want like real ice fields, like go Alaska, like if you want like Caribbean, go to the Florida Keys. Like it's unbelievable the breadth of that country is, the amount of stuff it has. And you can see why they don't travel because they've got everything they need. So yeah, I'm gonna chuck in USA. I didn't I, I didn't expect to say that, but we're planning to do a road trip next year in USA. So um yeah, I can't not say it because I'm I'm buzzing to get there really. Yeah, I see. And then let's talk a bit about the podcast then. Um, I suppose, how come you decided to start it? When did it all come about? Uh, yeah, I started this year. I don't know. When, when, when did you start yours, this podcast? Was it this year? Yeah, mid-January. Year? Mid-January this year. Mid-Jan- yeah, so you're kind of the same time as me. Yeah. Um, at the start of the year, um, yeah, lockdown was in full force, right? And I thought, what, what can I do to kind of lift the spirits, but also try and inspire people? So I thought, well, do you know what? I met so many people traveling um, and there's so many people out there who I haven't met, but like, like yourself, who can easily come on and talk about some travel. Yeah, sure. I was like, what, why not get all these unique experiences on record and try and get maybe the person that, you know, you probably know some people back at home that are maybe thinking about it or don't make the leap, but it's honestly the best thing you can do. So I thought, right, yeah, I'm getting people on the show. I'm going to talk about my experiences and get all these other experiences uh, on record. And just like, yeah get it out there and try and inspire people to go and travel. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it, it can't really resonate in real life. Yeah, sure. But I think maybe in the new year, I think um, people will start to properly plan next year travel. So I think um, that could work out quite well. Um, so I'm hoping that this year they, they can look at my catalogue and say, okay, um, he's got like 10 or 12 episodes, like one specifically for each country or an area, or and they've got like other experiences from real people. So if that can inspire one person to travel, then, then that's great. Like, yeah, crack on. That's kind of the aim really. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how do you source your guests? Uh, is it people, friends that you've met on your travels, people via social media? How does it come about? Yeah, I so at the start at the start of the year I had a had a list of people and uh, people who asked me to come on. And I've actually just kind of exhausted that list now. I think of what well, in July. Uh, I, I sort of predicted in January that by July I'm probably going to have to start asking people a bit more because um, my list has come to an end. So, yeah, if you do want to come onto the podcast, just give me a shout. Um, you can message me on, on Instagram, whatever. But yeah, I can kind of go to the people I've met, like on, on Instagram or Facebook Messenger, um, or like yourself. People like I follow a lot of podcasts on my podcast um, Instagram. So um, I will be putting like a few posts out in the next couple of weeks um, if people want to come on in and talk about some travels. So um, you're more than welcome to come on the show, mate, um, if you want to come on. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to get anyone on. Um, I'm also willing to help people, you know, like you you would talk about your podcast and my podcast, you know, like I want to help people sure. with their own stuff. Um, it's, not, it's not like a competition or anything. It's just, a, you know, trying to help people um, whatever they're interested in, so... Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, we're all in like the same game. If you're you've got your own podcast, then you might as well chat about it because there's no point, you know, hogging it all. Yeah, just share what your podcast is about and see what you know happens to the the audience. I'm sure people always resonate. They hear a story about travel. It's always fascinating because you realize that there is a huge, big, wide world out of your little town. And say, for me, Manchester, for you, mm. which, and you think, hmm, why don't I just give this a shot? And we both took the leap you know it's like back in like separate points and yeah it's, it's worked out okay i mean we're both talking about doing it more and more in the future so yeah exactly yeah well, get off it, don't yeah. You? yeah do you how did you come to your decision to leave because um that's one of the things i do ask um yeah. most people on my podcast um i wouldn't say they're holiday people they're they are traveling people so they probably made a bit of a, a decision so yeah what for you what what, what made you make the leap I know, I know you finished university, but was it just to change it up after, I guess, growing up in England, right? Or Manchester? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, it was always in the back of my mind because I always had this idea that there's this huge wide world, so why not give it a try? But mm. I also have to credit my dad. For example, my dad has been to 115 countries, I believe. Get out of here. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's... Um, he still does it now. I mean, um, you know, he kind of uh, brought us all up and then about five years ago decided, oh, I love to travel. Why don't I, um, you know, go back to my favourite country, India? And we went, yeah, go for it. So he went, yeah, I'll go uh, for it. He's a gardener, so he um, can work for himself. And yeah, he went off to India <laughs> and got the ball rolling. <laughs> and every year now he's planning trips left, right and centre. He went to the whole of South America in two months. Um yeah, all over Europe. And then one day said, oh, North, North Korea looks fascinating. And then oh, wow. a couple of weeks later, he booked North Korea. And I thought, this guy will not Whoa. stop traveling. So he's definitely a huge influence in that regard. And he, you know, when we were, when I left uni and I was a bit, um, I had a bit of a tricky time at uni. I was a bit unsure of the future, et cetera. And I was yeah. thinking, hmm, what's going to, you know, what is there out there? And my dad was very encouraging and said, you can go and travel soon. You've got no responsibility. So after mm. a year of working at home after uni, I thought, yeah, let's just do something completely different. I, and then, yeah, um, did my TEFL course, thought I didn't, I didn't know about work visas or anything. So I thought I'll do a bit of teaching abroad. It's, it'll be a nice experience. I expected to go to China because that was the main yes. uh, market at the time, but Vietnam cropped up and I thought, right, okay, I'm just going to go for this. So they offered me a job with accommodation. I said yes and booked my flight. And three months later, I was here and I thought, whoa, this is, for example, at that time, I'd never left mm -hmm. Europe. So, oh, okay, yeah. 
Yeah. I was very, uh, and I'd only been to, I say only, I've been about eight or nine countries, not really as much as I'd have liked to. And then arrived in Saigon, I thought, what the fuck, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> the traffic, the weather, <laughs> the pollution, the street food. I thought, this is absolutely bonkers. But it's been two years yeah. in and I've loved it. I mean, if Corona wasn't a thing, that's a very, very difficult thing yeah. to say. I would have probably seen off a lot of Asia by now. I had all these plans, Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia, Japan, Malaysia, but it it wasn't to be. And when the time comes again, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to get onto it really now. I think with COVID, it's almost taught me now to grab the opportunity whilst it's there. Yes. Just to see the amount of places and the the amount of stories that I can have by just go around. And also, as we mentioned, doing this podcast, the amount of people I can get access to and find out their stories. It's just extraordinary. Hello. Oh, sorry, I lost you for a bit there, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my, my, I think it's my internet. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, yeah, ne- next year you can um, definitely uh, get those plans back in place and, and go and see Asia. But even even those stories like like your dad and stuff, and that's just inspirational to me. Like, oh God, like he's he's done that. I'm like, oh, I need to get back on it. So that kind of like for me, that's why I wouldn't get like that sort of story on my podcast because I'm like that inspires me. So. That inspires other people, and great. That's the kind of the, the ethos of my podcast is, you know, your dad would be a great example to get on the podcast, right? Because oh yeah, he tells so many stories of where he's been um, and, yeah. and what he's seen. Yeah, I don't think he's um, keen just yet, but in the future, I'll convince him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, that's just a great example of, of what I'm looking for in terms of... He's going to listen um, to this as well, so there's a message. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, this, this next question might be quite tricky. Uh, what's your favourite thing oh yeah this is a bit broad what is your favorite thing about the whole traveling experience then uh that's a great question um it's a broad one <laughs> it's a broad one and it's interesting because i read a lot of books especially this year i'm trying to like work out life really what what is it about but it's not too deep there but i think um honestly it's almost an escape isn't it yeah um because I'm, I'm someone who doesn't really have a, I'm not a career person. I don't have a trade. So I think ultimately um, you can travel as much as you can, but you need to do something in life that in terms of like a career or a job that you're going to enjoy, because uh, I don't think it's sustainable to keep like doing these crappy temp jobs and then quit and then go again. Um, it, it's okay in your twenties, I think absolutely fine. Cause you're just dotting about trying to work stuff out, but I think when you start to approach mid phase, you're kind of like, I need to do something that I like. So, yeah, but in terms of actual travel, I just love gotten to new places every, like, I love waking up and going, ah, so what's in the plan today? What are we going to check out? Um, Where are we going to go? That that is a bit of a drug to me, I think. Um, And I I can't seem to let it go. So that's kind of why I do it and why I probably will continue to do it. Um, But I do, I've kind of, I've not changed, but me at your age was like, no, I'm doing this work visa. I'm going here. I'm doing next work work visa here. I'm going there. Like it was pretty simple, but here it's at at this point in time, we've got this big trip planned next year for a year, like traveling around for a year, I think we're going to do. Mm. But then after that, it's like, oh, what what the hell do we do? Um, So we're trying to get stuff in place now. Like the podcast is one thing. I'm I'm writing a book. 
I mean, I, I love coffee, so I'm trying to get my knowledge up in coffee, like how to roast it and stuff like that. Okay, sweet. Um, and we love like glamping camping sites. So we're, we're trying to like figure out after traveling next, what is our plan? Um, so we've got PR here as well, which gives an option to come back here if we need. Um, mm. So that, that's kind of the plan as well. Yeah, I just love, I just love meeting new people, love new experiences, love new places. Um, yeah, that's kind of why I think. Yeah, it sounds sweet. Do you mind telling me really a bit about, go. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind telling me a bit about this book? Because I spoke to a guy recently who has also, you know, it's a similar theme travel. Uh, is the book about your travels? Yeah. It's uh, purely non-fiction, almost diary-based. Not like in our oh, day 25, it's like Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've got quite a good memory. So I can I, I can I can pick out like uh stories and if you name a country, oh, oh yeah, that happened there and we met this person. So I, I don't actually take too much to remember it. Um, so that two years from 2013 to 15 in Asia and then Australia, I can just recall like so much stuff. So I was like, yeah, I need to write this down. So yeah, it's kind of like the last 10 years of my travels. Okay, sounds awesome. And then, uh, yeah, kind of just release it. I'll probably self-publish it. I don't think anyone will publish that. So I'll self-publish that and then see where that goes. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll get a copy. So yeah, you, you've got one. What's the word? You've got one. Uh, <laughs> so there, boom. <laughs> Sell to me. You, you can have a you can have a reduced price if you like. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Absolutely perfect. So then we're coming up to the end of the chat, then James. I suppose. Yeah. Um, we've talked then about the future aims, you know, um, with your road trip for next year and seeing where we go from there. Uh, I suppose the final question, really, before I, you know, uh, ask for social media to put in the description. Well, is there any countries that you've not been to yet that you would really like to go to? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I've got my, my hot list, if you like. <laughs> what are the top um, five? <laughs> top five is Ecuador, Colombia. Uh, they're definitely almost like emergency top two. Um, and then I want to go to Israel. Uh, I want to go to uh, Namibia and Botswana. I think they're probably the top five. Whoa, okay. That's a bit, yeah. um, for some reason, um, Colombia and Botswana, I hear a lot from people that I've spoken to, but I've never heard anybody mention Ecuador. Why is that an emergency top two, I may ask you? <laughs> Ecuador is someone that all, people always forget in South America. Um, but don't forget you've got the Galapagos Islands in Ecuador. Um, so if you're interested in nature, um, they're like, it's like almost a pinnacle, right, to go there. Yeah. And also they've got these like, little cities and towns it's quite a small place the spanish is really good it's quite easy to grasp easier to grasp should i say um i don't know it's just the culture of ecuador i love to go there um yeah i didn't have time last time in south america so it's kind of itching away at me so it's definitely in the top two nice sounds, sounds um, but nice. Galapagos is 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 hot on the list like i have to go there so ecuador is all sounds good where can we find out more about you on social media james yeah, I do Facebook and Instagram at the minute. Uh, so Instagram is James Hammond Travel, all one word. And um, yeah, Facebook is uh, Winging It Podcast, um, which can be, they're both linked. So you can probably both find those quite easily. Uh, I also have a website, jameshammond.org. So it's got like links to podcasts and um, I've got a bit about my travel plans on there. Um, also where I've been, a bit about myself, Um yeah, some contact forms on there, etc. So, yeah, you can go there as well if you need extra stuff. Um, I think that's, or, or you can ping me an email, uh, jameshammondtravel at gmail.com. 
Um, happy to come back with anything you've got questions for. So, yeah, easily doable. Yeah, sounds excellent. Well, James, thanks very much for the chat today. I know that from Vancouver to Saigon, there's a huge difference. So I appreciate, you know, the early rise. <laughs> yeah. And, um, oh, fi- oh, whoops, I nearly forgot. Final thing. Uh, oh. Score prediction for tomorrow. What is it coming home? Yes, 2-0 England. Boom. Yeah, I think the same. Yeah, actually, Dumb. yeah, yeah, yeah. 2-0 England. I'm going to go Harry Kane and Mason. Do you know what? Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I thought I'd talk about I think I'd be comfortable. I think we'll get an early goal. And I think, uh, I just, I've got this feeling that tomorrow will be just a little bit comfortable. Um, stressful in terms of like, uh, you know, hang on, but I think the actual game, I think we'll manage it well. Um, just to finish off as well, the only game I've been really nervous about and anxious about was the Scotland game. That's mm. the only game I was annoyed about because I didn't want to lose to them. Oh, and they actually were all right. I thought Scotland, thought Scotland done all right, to be fair. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They could, they could have nicked it, you could argue. <laughs> yeah, they restricted Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah 2-0. Look, yeah, okay. Let's hope no more years of hurt, no more need for dreaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's coming home. Well, yeah, James, once again, thanks very much, mate. And yeah, let's do this again at some point, maybe a few weeks, few months down the line, have a chat about where your travels are up from then, maybe some more stories. Yeah, I'd be keen to go again. So yeah, once again, thanks very much. Yeah, Connor, I'll get you on the uh, Wigan It podcast. We'll talk um, exclusively travel. Um, nice. Yeah, I'll get you on. Sounds perfect. Right. Take care, James. Yeah, cheers, mate. Appreciate it.